On this episode, we discuss A Dog's Purpose. The movie inspired by Sean Connery's famous line, You're the man now, dog. everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy hey i'm Stuart the dog catcher wellington what up 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 it's me downtown elliot kalen coming at you from uptown oh wow in dan's apartment you got a lot of sass a lot of in your face attitude hey let's just say my sass arrived in the mail cod sassafras wait so wait you had to pay the postman when he delivered the sass yeah because I didn't have enough up front oh, okay. to when I ordered it. But this sass is good stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, no, sass running out. No, I lost my... sentences that have started without having a finish, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my magic sass feather halfway through that sentence. Oh, no. Dan, tell me, tell me I don't need the feather. Understand. It was inside me all along. Um, I can't do it. I can't lie to you. <laughs> no, it was the feather. I knew it. Have you ever had some sass inside you? No. Would you like some? I don't know how that. Uh, what this feather I made? <laughs> feather you made? Are you a bird? <laughs> just sprout it yeah, out of my birds wings. Make the feathers. So. They do. They grow out of them. Okay, I guess that's. You right. think they buy them from a store? Yeah. Like an artisanal feathersmith? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> buy them from a Fletcher. Yep. Yeah, Jessica Fletcher from Murder She Wrote, mm-hmm. so called because she makes arrows, um, like the TV show Arrow, executive produced by Jessica Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And. Fletch, the private eye, who knows how to party and look like one of the L.A. Lakers. Who <laughs> <laughs> knows how to commit back. credit card fraud. <laughs> that's what I learned from looking at the back of the VHS cassette box of Fletch. <laughs> now, is Fletch dead? <laughs> no, no, you'll be happy to learn that Fletch lives. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I just want to report on that. <laughs> now, uh, it's was a documentary, th- right? Set in the South? Yes, yes. It's called Fletchissippi Burning. <laughs> <laughs> now, the porn version of Fletch would be called Flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is that the horror version? I mean, that's... I, I mean, the porn version is Felch. Go, okay, there you go. That's better. And the Jewish version would be Fleisch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what do we do on this here podcast, Dan? Well, on this podcast. <laughs> oh, throwing to himself. <laughs> we got a real Jamie Madrox in here. We watch a bad movie. We got a regular split on our hands. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about it. And tonight, we watched a little movie called A Dog's Porpoise. About a dog who owns a dog. Uh, no, you're thinking of Zeus and Roxanne. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, which one was Zeus and which one was Roxanne? Zeus, well, Roxanne was starring Steve Martin. And Zeus was the king of the Greek king gods. Greek gods yeah. yeah. Although he was also the villain in No Holds Barred, I believe, the Hulk Hogan film. Mm-hmm. And, he, and in the Hercules movie. No, the villain was Hades in the Hercules movie. I mean, it Wait, depends which on Hercules how movie? you interpret the Hercules myth. Or Heracles myth. Well, the movie was called Hercules. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Which one was James Woods? James Woods was Hades. In Straight Talk, which one was James Woods? Dolly Parton. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's an amazing actor. Oh, yeah. So, so enough uh, about like True West. They switch roles every night. True James Woods, Woods, the only play the where part. James Woods plays both of the parts <laughs> in True West, both brothers. 
And weirdly, both super conservative now. Who yeah. thought it? His version of True West, they agree with each other the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so what do we uh, what do we do in this podcast? No, no, we did that part already. Well, I missed it. What do we, we, walk, we walk about a movie and then we sneak about it? Yeah. We snock about a movie and then we balk about it. And this movie was called Dog's Purpose. And it was about a dog and his purpose in the so world. Guys, well, Dan, you kind of did sum up the whole movie just then. <laughs> but Stuart, you were going to say. I... I know that I suggested we watch this movie, and in doing so, I you opened the floodgates. <laughs> I opened the floodgates to more "Who Let the Dogs Out" style jokes uh, mm-hmm. that I had put a ban on on this podcast after we watched Marmaduke. I, d- I don't remember that ban, but I'll allow it. So you're saying like none of this, like oh, the flop house has gone to the dogs. I'm giving you guys a hall pass today. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. oh boy! So just let's get nasty and talk about a dog's purpose. <laughs> We're going to talk about this movie, doggy style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what I was talking about. We all got boned by a dog's purpose. <laughs> We're going to be raw dogging it tonight. <laughs> okay, because throw out our condoms. You got to love it or hate it. You can't be neutered. <laughs> About this movie. Oh, that almost is a pun. <laughs> it's, hey, it's a hairy situation. All right, there you go. A doggone catastrophe, and this episode is off the leash. Was this episode a howl? No, it was not. <laughs> we, we almost done with these? Can we get to the real episode? Speaking of howl, you know, I saw the best minds of my generation ruined by the rest of the poem that I don't remember. Uh, Let's just say television. What? <laughs> ruined by television? That's what you think uh, Ginsburg was getting at? He certainly wasn't pro-television, Dan, I have to assume. <laughs> I guess, right. Well, I've got the ghost of Ginsburg here to talk about it right now. Oh, well, tell me about it, ghost of Ginsburg. Well, man, it's all about... Never heard a ghost snap his fingers What's going on inside your mind? <laughs> what's going on inside my mind? Well, what's going on inside your mind, ghost Ginsburg? Or should I say, go 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 Ginsburg? <laughs> Must like Seabiscuit, the world's most popular horse. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan throwing to the least popular. No, that's not true. People love Seabiscuit, the, the popular horse who has, always has to go. Mm-hmm. I helped America through the Great Depression or something. Oh, well, gotta go. Who'd have thought? No, it's like that horse I think is. He was summoned by the ghost of all the dogs that died in this movie. Oh, there's so many dogs who died now, in this movie. Let's say one thing going into it. There's oh, a lot one of, dog died a lot. There's yeah, there's a, contra- a controversy about this movie that maybe they had mistreated dogs while filming. We can't speak to that. We don't know. The Humane Society looked into it and said that, that things were okay. We can't say for sure. We're just judging this movie. That's possible. Yeah. Payola, or as it's also called, Poochola, when a dog is involved. Now, we can't Hoochola. judge that. <laughs> when our hooch from turning hooch is involved. Uh, Hoochola? <laughs> yeah. I just rhymes with Poochola. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, let's know it's a double pun. Yeah, take it one more step <laughs> removed, huh? <laughs> That's, Scoochola. Uh, that's yeah. when you got to scooch over yeah, yeah, for that's money. How, uh, Cockney rhyming slang came about. Yeah, yeah. Turner and Hooch. I'm an purpose. innovator. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to judge this movie on the quality of the film itself. We're going to look to the text and not look outside the text. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, for any, I apologize ahead of time if we don't cover that scandal and we aren't don't express proper outrage for it. We're just talking about the movie itself, which is Dan. You loved it. Mm-hmm. It talks purpose. What am I supposed to say about it? Okay, so the po- movie poster, we got the face of a dog on it. You uh-huh. know what you're getting when you slap this movie into your VCR. You got a dog movie. Now, here's the thing. The face, the poster is just the face of a dog. So I was like, oh, it's like those Judd Apatow movies. Reminds me of the 40-year-old virgin poster. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to be about a dog who's never had sex and is desperately trying to lose it. But he can't because why couldn't Steve Carell have sex in that movie? Did a witch put a hex on him? He seems like a regular Joe. Wait, which movie? 40-year-old virgin. Oh, no, yeah. the other movie where Steve Carell's an adult who's never had sex, Dan. <laughs> what was that, Get Smart? 
Little Miss Sunshine. Dan in real life. Dan in re- looking for a friend well, for the end got, of the world. He's always got mighty. Dan in real life always has syrup smeared all over his face. No woman's going to ask syrup? for that. Syrup? Syrup. Syrup. Anything he could, syrup. Like he could have a date with like a fly woman. Mm-hmm. They love syrup. If anything, yeah. it'll get her in the sack faster. And by now, sack, I mean like, you know, a bag for catching flies. Now, I assumed that this movie was going to be something like Fluke or Oh Heavenly Dog, where a man is killed, he comes back as a dog, and he needs to solve the murder as a dog. Uh, like that, uh, what's, the, lives, what's the Gary the Busey murder. one where that happens? There's more movies like that? There's the, there's the Gary Busey movie where he dies and comes, it's very low budget. And uh, a point break. Curtis Armstrong is in it too, I think. It's not point break. Uh, I've exhausted my Gary Busey movie. <laughs> okay, then never mind. Forget it. Um, so, this movie, it's about hey, what's the purpose of life? And by life, I mean life as a dog. My life as a dog, because it's directed by Leslie Halstrom. Don't know his pronounced his name, who also directed My Life as a Dog, returning to the successful world of dogs. So let's not do any jokes about how his name looks like it's pronounced Lassie Halstrom, and there's a famous dog. I don't know if you guys have heard of the dog. It's called Lassie. No, what does this he do? The first I've heard of it. Or she? She, I believe, tricks a little boy into falling into a well. Oh, no. <laughs> oh what, for the insurance money? <laughs> no, mainly to prove that she can, because then she gets the adults to go laugh at the boy. <laughs> laugh at the boy. <laughs> what if Lassie was like an ace in the hole type thing, but instead of Kirk Douglas, it was a dog? Now, the, the common joke about Lassie is that Timmy's in the well. Now, I just wonder, how many times in Lassie did Timmy actually oh, fall never. into a it, well? It was did always it Lassie happen? getting Timmy. Yeah. And Timmy would say, what's that girl? There's a mountain lion on the loose. Mm-hmm. Or something like, What's that girl? Uh, they've killed Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> no. What's that well, girl? Timmy was did not to keep that world war from happening. What, what's he that girl? His banners immediately. No. <laughs> no, that's why he was telling him so that he could so that he could uh, marshal his forces on the Belgian border. Yeah. What's that girl? Uh, Flynn was working for the Turks even while he was national security advisor. What's that girl? McRib is back. <laughs> <laughs> What's that girl? You're a boy. I'm so sorry. But hey, it's not an insult. Come on. Be open-minded. Yeah, exactly. So this movie is literally, it is for lovers of dogs and haters of dogs. Because mm-hmm. if you want to see a dog run around to be cute and then die, you get to see that five times in this movie. At least, right? Yeah. Now, let there, each, there, the, what, the fucking that, bodies that, are stacked that, like cordwood it, by the end of this thing. Okay. I've heard this thing about bodies being stacked by, like cordwood. What is it about cordwood that makes it so stackable? Do you ever describe something good stacked like cordwood? You never say like, oh, those graham crackers are stacked like cordwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, I like that. Those, 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 those gold Krugerrands are when, stacked like gold, you, gold, cordwood. When pressed to think of something amazing that could be stacked, you went directly to graham crackers. <laughs> the yeah. best thing that you could think of. I like graham crackers. They're very stackable because they're flat. Sorry. You never say those pancakes are stacked by cordwood. Is that, is that the acceptable what thing to stack, Snowflake? Uh, Did I offend you by saying you could stack Graham Crackers? Is this another Dan in real life reference? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is because it? Because it's not a, it's a stereotype that all people named Dan put their head on pancakes. I think that was the original tagline for Dan in real life. <laughs> the pancakes are stacked like cordwood. <laughs> the original tagline for Dan in real life was, how crazy is this guy with his pancake pillow? <laughs> <laughs> Check out old pancake pillow He's so here. tired he's going to sleep in his pancakes. Pancake pillow boy. And, it, and uh, it was originally based on the play The Pillow Man. It was called The Pancake Pillow Man. And the entire subplot about uh, a bunch of child abductions was removed for the film. Much like how the play The Diary of Anne Frank was eventually made into the movie Bend It Like Beckham. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the sexiest tomboy being pulled on the planet. Yeah, loose interpretation. Very loose. Anyway, this movie, A Dog's Purpose. Let's get to the facts. So, we open with so a... So we open with a shot in the womb. In the Now, the movie is broken up by these very, like, swirly light, like you're underwater. If anyone has ever gone to a movie theater and seen one of those programs of, like, the Oscar-nominated shorts, mm-hmm. the, like... In between each of the movies, there's like a swirly animation, and it says like Academy Award nominated short, and then the title and the director. That's what these look like to me, those transitions. Yeah, you're in the ether. Exactly. Yeah, you're just in mind space. Mm-hmm. You're just a concept. You're huffing ether. <laughs> I mean, it's one way to get through the movie. Yeah. Uh, then a dog is born. He says, ever since I was a pup, I wondered what life was like. And this is the voice of Josh Gad just just talking about hey guys, it. Guys, I don't want to show my hand too much right now. Uh-huh. And I know Why? Your hands look great. You could be a hand uh, model. Thank you, Elliot. Uh, do you think my nails are long enough? Oh, I think they're the perfect length. They're long enough? They're long. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> is that the key Dan, to being a hand model? <laughs> one of three. All right. Skin color and cl- complexion. Now, color, not because they okay. want to be racist here, but because, save, yeah. let's just face it, certain markets like different colored hands. For instance, for gloves, doesn't matter. The glove's covering the hand. But if you're marketing, say, I don't know, stuff that's just for white people, white hands are better. Sure, okay. if you're marketing the sure, Raptors, white stuff. you want your hands to be blue like Yondu. Exactly. If you're marketing something that's for T-Rexes, like say like a pancake mix for T-Rexes, you want little stubby hands with just two fingers, like a T-Rex or maybe mm-hmm. claws. Uh, you managed to uh, navigate your way through that without being too racist. Uh, it was still a little racist. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of thing would only be for white people that's being advertised. I guess like pink band-aids. <laughs> yeah, sure. Flesh-colored crayons in the old crayons where they were racist about what flesh-colored meant. I prefer that I had to believe that they just meant the flesh that was underneath your skin when you peeled off those top few layers and it's just like muscle underneath. Is that okay. still flesh? So you're saying that Crayola is owned by Clive Barker or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, they're, so they're psychopathic monsters. Uh, sure. Look, Crayola is either run by racists or psychopaths, so let's just say that right now. <laughs> let's stipulate I that. I mean, Goldenrod? What come, is that? Come at us, Crayola. <laughs> oh, Deal well. with it. <laughs> Big Cran is going to come down on us like a hammer. Crayola rides with Paola with... It reminds me of Poochola. Follow the money. A dog's, a dog's you know, purpose. One day we're going to do an episode of this show where we never get to the movie, and I'll be so happy. I mean, this might be the one. I don't know. A dog's purpose. We're in the so womb. I didn't even say. Oh. I'm showing my hands here, guys. <laughs> yeah, so what were you talking about when like I got to, racist for a I moment? I know we don't like to play like backseat driver on these movies and talk about how they would have been better. Yes, we do. But the, the, dog, uh, the dog's brain voice... Uh-huh. Is done in this movie by Josh Gad. You may know him as Olaf from Frozen and other um, other stuff, right? He was in the Comedians with uh, Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, he was on the Daily Show what for a, a little what bit. A, what a he was uh, in that. Something didn't he come to fame on Broadway with that? Oh, uh, Book of Mormon. He was in. Yeah, uh, he was in Italy once when I was eating there, and I saw him at another table. And I didn't come say oh, hi to him <laughs> because I didn't know if he would remember me from The Daily Show. And then the next time I ran into him, he was like, why didn't you say hi to me at Italy? And I was a little embarrassed. But then I was like, hey, it takes two to tango, dude. Come on. So he does a fine job. 
But yeah, he does whatever much, he can with it. He does fine. I believed Would he was the inner voice of a dog. If the narration was done by Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a that's not fair to Josh Gad because anything would be better with narration by Werner Herzog. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of celebrities I want to hear describing my sex while I'm having it. <laughs> but if it was Werner Herzog, it would be pretty funny. <laughs> I can't think of anything, though, that would be as, like, philosophically opposed to Werner Herzog than a dog's purpose. It's, it, since it <laughs> actively, it's, overtly posits a purpose for life? Yeah, yes. it's a purpose for life. It celebrates nature. It's overtly sentimental. <laughs> and uh, implies that animals have a sort of human or emotional intelligence. The, yeah. the purpose of nature is to bring two, <laughs> two olds together and some loving. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Oh, okay, so a dog is born. Uh, the dog is like, I wonder what the purpose of my life was. I had a lot of fun playing. Was that what? what? He immediately runs away and is, gets caught by the fucking dog catcher. And oh, the dog catcher shows up and finds a herd of or pack of five young dogs, takes one, euthanizes it. Throws it in the First dog death of the movie. Yeah. Like and, two minutes into the film. Then the dog comes back. And now he's a different dog and he gets... Uh, a really different breed. Yeah, different. He's a different breed in every he wakes time. Up in like a fucking cardboard box or something. Like I feel like that cardboard box is some kind of magical chamber that births dogs. <laughs> so you're saying it's not that the dog is being reincarnated. It's that th- this magic chamber is reviving him in a different form each time. Exactly. And his soul returns to it. It's like a uh, what was that Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he has to run through that simulation? Source code. Source code. Yeah. You know the movie that didn't quite work after the second act. Because they broke a lot of the rules they set up. Yeah, but it was it was, it was pretty fun though. Most, it was fine. Mostly. Solid performance from Jeffrey Wright. Oh sure, I mean everybody in it was solid. Mm-hmm. As a rock, including Wait, the rock, he was in it. Yeah, he played the credits. <laughs> okay, they just <laughs> painted them the on his chest. Uh, so anyway, he gets captured by a dog breeder, I guess. Yeah, and the dog, but then he escapes, and he's found by a little boy named Ethan. After almost uh, dehydrating inside a closed car. Yeah. Yeah. If only those guys had put a sign on the window that said he was in there with his favorite music and uh, <laughs> whatever, something cool to drink. It's like original party animal. <laughs> Do not bother. Yeah. Uh, the little boy finds the dog and his mother is enamored of the dog also. But they have to convince the boy's dad, who's a little bit of a, a grumpy grandpa. Although he's in. not a grandpa, he's a dad. I want to jump in here and say that the movie has already set the stakes right away. We see a dog, a baby dog get captured and then <laughs> euthanized immediately. It's like a fucking horror movie. So we know what could happen. So the fact that in his next life, he only, like it looks like he's going to dehydrate and die. At that point, I'm like... He, the, dog number two is done. <laughs> well, you're always worried about him because you know the movie's willing to go there. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. No, they'll show you a dog dying in a movie for dog lovers about dogs. Like, yeah. the dog is the uh, the movie is the waiter who walks up to my table without breaking eye contact, just pushes my plate of food onto the floor. Oh. <laughs> Where are you eating? Uh, I don't know Applebee's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know whether it was. It was as early as the second dog death, or maybe the third dog death. When I turned to Elliot, and I'm like, "Who? What monsters is this movie for?" It was the third dog death. Like people who want to watch a dog die over and over again. But here's the thing: dog lovers love the sadness of a dead dog. Can you think about a movie about a dog? Can you think about a movie about a dog that didn't at some point either kill the dog or tease the idea that the dog would die? Yeah, think about true. it. There's that dog, there's a, what, that Marley and Me? Old Yeller. Old Yeller, Turner and Hooch. Mm -hmm. 
Like, uh, I think K-9 when K-9. tried to die and escape the terror of Jim Belushi. <laughs> <laughs> Only to be reincarnated Is as Jim Belushi. Tried to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many dogs committed suicide on the set of K-9. <laughs> sure. Sad, really. Uh, Turner and Hooch is the one where Craig T. Nelson tries to kill a dog, right? Is it Craig T. Nelson? Yeah, Craig T. Nelson's the bad guy, I think. But the uh, T stands who? for Turner. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, it is. I don't remember Craig but T. Nelson being... It was being shocking a... for me because I'm like, why is Coach trying to kill this dog? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a, Oh, no, you think of Turner and Coach. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah, Turner was the dog in that one, and Craig T. Nelson was Coach. Mm-hmm. Jerry Van Dyke, of course, played his character of, I don't know the name of that character. And Dauber played Dauber. Yeah, Dogger. <laughs> Which was the dog version of Frogger. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, Ethan. You know the what their kid, favorite kind of beer is? What? Lager. Okay. You know where they go? Where? Sauger tease. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was a real Sauger tease. <laughs> hey, you know what their sexual fetish is? What? Flogger. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, you know what happens when they use the toilet? What? Clogger. <laughs> Sure. I feel like Elliot goes to like the website Rhyme Zone and <laughs> yeah, just yeah. laughs and laughs and laughs. <laughs> oh, that's like porn for me. Yeah. I just like, what are words that rhyme with giant? And then I'll just jack off to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Client. Uh, like what kind of job does he have on the internet? He's a blogger. Oh, Sorry, I, I someone's playing the game. Now. Somebody's playing the game. Dan, your turn. Come on. Uh, Come on. Don't be an asshole. Uh, uh, I mean, vlogger is right there. Oh God, <laughs> snogger, doing, smogger. Oh, okay, uh, Dan's starting to sweat. Everybody, they, <laughs> just... he's a real fan of that movie with Joan Crawford. He's a trogger. <laughs> All right, okay. I also would have accepted he likes to celebrate Purim at the synagogue with a grogger. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's yeah. a noisemaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Took a, took a ride around the block for that one, but I think the journey was worth it. <laughs> uh, in that it meant that Jews weren't killed because Haman was was taken out of the picture? Yes, it was worth it. It was the fellow who wore cookies for a hat, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Judaism's a weird religion <laughs> since we celebrate one of our weirder holidays by eating a cookie in the shape of the hat of the Hitler of the, what, 12th century, 10th yeah. century? Yeah. So anyway, Long or maybe story earlier. short. Long story short, uh, this is the main story of the movie, is the dog becomes named Bailey. He's Ethan's dog. Ethan's dad does not like him, not the least because he's always – he's a dog. He's rambunctious. He yeah. eats his his uh, gold coin. That's a collector's he edition. it out, though. But not until, not, only, not until after it's become an embarrassing situation when the dad's boss comes over for dinner. And mm-hmm. now this is a weird thing that at some point in human history it was considered appropriate – for a boss to impose on his employees by going to dinner at their house and yeah. having a business conversation from their uh, family. That's why you became a boss back in the old days, for all the free grub. Yeah. Yeah, it would make all the writers take me out to dinner. Yeah. And it'd be like, tell me, why should I keep you on? And they'd be like, well, you don't really have the power to fire us. And i go, mm, but, uh, okay, I'll pay for dinner. <laughs> it's like when like a lord or lady would travel to their uh, to Their, their vassals? Homes. Yeah, their vassals, and have them feed them and... Uh, you know, take them into their homes for a little while. Oh, that's a very fair point. That's a good point. So we get this really great scene. Uh, the dad character who had previously accused Ethan and the dog of playing dirty pool by using the cuteness of this dog to convince him to take the dog in as a ward 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I think it's called a shit. pet. <laughs> he does the same shit where he has his boss in, has his fucking kid, dog, and wife there, and he's like, yo, dude. How about you give me a desk job instead of keeping me on the road all the time? Here's like, what that's I love. He goes, he goes uh, the numbers have been very good lately. Yes, they have been good numbers. You are a top traveling salesman. What does this guy sell? I don't know. What is this I business? Like I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Because yeah, he's that, a drunk. With that. Uh, the we dog get into that, eats a coin, a gold coin. It's a, it's a Godin, uh, gold dollar, which is a very valuable Who's coin. He, fucking Mario? What's he doing eating coins? Is Mario <laughs> eating those coins? I mean, he runs through them and they he disappear. Run, yeah, he doesn't have like... They're just going in his pockets. Have, like, big pockets. He's for, wearing overalls. He has huge pockets. Yeah, but I don't start bulging. I mean, he's, he's eating so many coins. Oh, he, Mario's got a bulge, all right. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Elliot's been looking at DeviantArt again. Damn, I told you to block that website. Uh, I just I need to know what's going on with Sonic pregnancies. <laughs> <laughs> what's going? What trimester are they in? Yeah, what's, what's happening? Wait, so is Who knocks the Sonic dad? up now? Who's Tails the dad? Well, or is it Doctor Roboto, or whatever his name was? Robotnik. Robotnik. Oh, they changed it at Ellis Island. Yeah. Knuckles is usually the dom, and uh, <laughs> Tails is usually the femme or a dead character. <laughs> yeah, they're like, always so sad that Tails died. Somebody's like cradling his dead body. And I always imagine that. Sonic has the voice that Jaleel White gave him in the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon show. I don't remember that at all. Uh, it was a cartoon show. Sonic the Hedgehog starred in it. Urkel himself did the voice of Sonic, but like not as Urkel. Like his cool voice. Yeah, yeah, he did it as Sonic. Yeah, of course. Who is not a nerd. Yeah. Uh, so the dog has to poop out this gold coin so that he can get it back in the box. Uh, the kid, go, to distract them, to distract them. Okay. So he can slip the gold coin back in the box. Goes, hey, there's a rat over there, leading to Good the thinking Ethan. Yeah, moron. The boss's wife climbs up on the table, ends up halfway into a cake, and falls down and cra- and collapses the table. <clears throat> oh mm-hmm. boy, have to assume the dad lost his job over that one mm-hmm. because he becomes a drunk. Uh, we flash forward. We never see, by the way. I just want to say we never see the kid washing off that poop coin. Oh no, he, oh, no, he licks it off. That. He licks the whole thing off. Okay. Yeah. He's like, uh, 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 because yeah, he couldn't see anything. The human mouth is much cleaner than any kind of uh, dog's poop. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, the human mouth is cleaner than dog's poop. <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> that old wives' tale is true. <laughs> they used to say that they, yeah, dog's butt is cleaner than what any, and it was like, there's no possible way that's the case. Mm-hmm. Unless there is. Xenomorph acid bud acid blood burning the germs off. A rumor spread around by dogs who wanted people to lick their butts. (laughs) (laughs) From the from the dog butt licking council? Lick one today. Have you licked a dog butt today? Mm Mm-hmm. wait, no, I haven't. Four out of five doctors say, ew, get away from me. The fifth doctor lost his license. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Ethan grows up. Oh, no, but first, jump. we see that Ethan has a... Uh, the dog bites Ethan's football and deflates it. Ethan doesn't care. He just tosses it like a Frisbee. He and the dog have he this trick. fucking Frisbees. He invents a Frisbee, yeah, which I thought Marty McFly invented in the Old West. <laughs> and then he does a trick where he throws... He somehow throws the Frisbee, and then the dog jumps off of his back to catch it. This must be the slowest-moving Frisbee in the world. Like, I don't get how that's possible. Dan, explain it to me, because I'm missing something. Uh, so time and space are warped around the love of a dog. <laughs> oh, that's Einstein's general theory of dogativity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a sick, gnarly trick, like in uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> 
As soon as you start doing something, physics and stuff doesn't matter. Oh, we're like the knuckle puck in the Mighty Ducks films. Mm-hmm. Okay, so flash forward. Yeah, Ethan has become a high school football star. His mm-hmm. dad is a drunk. Yeah. And yeah. Ethan's on, on top of the world. He's the star of the football team. Everybody loves him except this one kid who hates him because he's kind of the Iago type. Yeah. Uh, and his dog's still with him. And his dog helps him have meet cute with a cute girl at the local carnival. Yeah. He shows her where the good hot dogs are at the carnival. And <laughs> Bro, before you know it. He specifically says, let's get the good hot dogs over he here. Goes, he goes, oh, there's a good one over here. <laughs> yeah. And before you know it, they're using a different kind of hot dog. Where, you, where there's like. Like cheese squirted on the inside of that mm-hmm. hot dog. Yeah, the probably. Kind of cheese that squirts out and gets all over the place. Oh, it gets you all nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. cheese nasty. <laughs> cheese nasty. <laughs> sounds like sounds a... old Alan Moore character. Sounds, yeah, sounds like a fucking <laughs> Batman villain on Gotham. What happened was, uh, I'm sure there's some... <laughs> there's some cheese mascot <laughs> that Alan Moore turned into a porno comic of some kind yep. to make a point about, I don't know, freedom or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, he he was in an erotic relationship with his uh, his common law wife, and they, you know, did a cheese uh, themed comic book. I'm not gonna book. kink shame somebody for loving cheese and stuff, dude. Yeah, it's All delicious. Right. Okay, you're right. It is delicious. It's one of the top two things you can do with stuff that comes out of a cow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's ice cream. <laughs> there's a big. Uh, but there's but there's a big de- big game. Okay. Oh man! Oh, well, for uh, Ethan comes home one night from snogging with his gal, uh-huh. uh, with Bailey, his dog, who goes with him everywhere, even to school. Yeah. And he finds that his dad is arguing with his mom and pushes her, and he says, "Never touch her again. You get out of here!" and throws him out. Now it's the night of a big game. There are scouts. That was the scene where I was expecting them to get in a scuffle and the dad to like. Kick Bailey into outer space or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because anytime drama happens, I immediately assume it's going to lead to injury of the dog. Yeah, the dog luckily is not hurt in this first in the second iteration of his life. But so there's a big game. Uh, Ethan announces that scouts from Michigan State were there to give him a full four year scholarship. He's he's on top of the world, but he gets into a fight with that Iago kid. And the kid is playing around with firecrackers uh, because the kid makes fun of him for having a drunk dad. A yeah. bad dad, football dad, which is yeah. what they call bad dad, soccer dad in England. Yeah. Uh, that night, but and then Ethan punches that kid. That kid gets his revenge by throwing a lit firecracker into the mail slaw of their house. The house burns down in the night. Now, they only escape he, with their lives. He drops it on their, what, like, their oil-soaked... Uh, Welcome, Matt. Back then, in what I was popular in the seventies, it's the early seventies, I guess. Yeah, and people love to take their welcome mat and just soak it with oil Mm because they thought that the fumes kind of made you lose your inhibitions. You know, (laughs) for for, when they had they had doormat parties where you'd take a doormat and you'd throw it into a kid's swimming pool, those little like little kids swimming pools, and then you'd pull out a random doormat and you'd just take that to your house and you'd put it on your doorstep. Yeah. And then when you woke up in the morning, you'd be like, whoa, crazy. Yeah, what did I do last night? This, that is, doormat? this used to say welcome, and now it says welcome, please. <laughs> Thank you. Now I understand the ice storm, guys. Yeah, yeah. Now the ice storm is all about a time when ice fell out of the sky. It's called Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Oh, that's crazy. And it stars John Leguizamo, Ray Romano, and Dennis Liriano. <laughs> but how do they get all those stars into one movie, Elliot? Well, there's only one way to do it. Star vacuum ceiling. Dan, 
How often have you found that you have too many stars for the space you need to keep it in? All the time. I wish there was a better way. And now there is. Stop stuffing your stars, smushing your stars, or cutting their heads and feet off so that they'll fit into your drawers. <laughs> Here, it's time for the star vacuum seal. Now, all you have to do is take your star. Let's say it's, I don't know, a Hector Elizondo. And put him in a plastic bag. Suck out all the extra air, and it scrunches him down to a much shorter, smaller, more storable space. Mm-hmm. Hector, compact Zondro, more like. Why do you always put dro at the end of it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a mental block. It's I think such it a is. it's a weird verbal tick that only manifests when you're saying the name of Hector Elizondo. <laughs> Elizondo sounds wrong to me. Sounds Ella Rongo. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, we've been having our fun, but you know who's not having fun? Bailey, because he notices that smell of smoke. Now, he describes every smell he experiences like, this was an angry smell. I didn't like this smell. When, mm-hmm. when Ethan first sees the girl he's a crush and goes, Ethan had a, a new smell, a mm-hmm. sweaty smell. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's all disgusting. I could <laughs> smell his pre-cum dripping from his sweaty oh, areas. Oh, don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was too, for some reason, if we had said jokes that led up to that, I'd be okay with it. But for it to just come out of nowhere, no pun intended. Come <laughs> on, guys. Yep. Get your minds out of the gutter. Yep. Uh, I didn't like it. All right, well, we'll put it in so, the yeah, Flophouse Jail. Yeah, save, <laughs> yeah. save all your pre-cum material. <laughs> Just save that, put that in a little thing, lock I'm it up. I'm saying I was premature with my pre-cum material. No, oh, premature ex- exclamation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, you can go with that. Eject e- 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 saline. Mm-hmm, eject saline. So we're saying the dog can smell when this dude gets a boner. Yes. The dog can smell when the dude gets a boner. He can also smell when the lady gets a lady boner. Yes, because he says that she has a sweaty smell, too. And it seems to be the same smell. And when the two of them are kissing, he's, of course, there, and he's like, they wrestled a lot, and with their mouths, they must have thought they had food in there. Was there food hidden in there? And it's like, stop, stop it. Grody, is this for kids? Anyway, uh, Bailey wakes them up. Is this for kids or just dog haters? Or dog lovers? I don't know. in escaping from the house, Ethan falls, hurts his leg. A fiery beam falls on it, a wooden yeah. beam, not a laser beam. And the next thing we know, he's on crutches. He's not going to college. His yeah, life yeah. is over. Well, he's going to like a farm school now. Yeah, yeah. yeah to like, learn how to take over the farm. Like, it feels like that fire was set by the University of Michigan <laughs> to deny their rivals a powerful football player. Ah, uh, I see. Some Wolverine uh, sneaking the around. Action, they must have yeah. sent Wolverine in his guise as Patch yep. to go set this fire. Now, uh, here's how you can tell the difference between Wolverine and Patch. Okay. How's that? Patch, well, how's a patch? Where's an eye patch? All right. Sure. But otherwise, people can never tell that he's the famous Wolverine. Because <laughs> they're like, Wolverine has a healing factor. He'd never lose an eye. That eye would just grow right back. Yep. So this Patch character must be, I don't know, his cousin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also is a native of Madripoor, right? Yes. Madripoor, the shadowy land is that... Is he uh, ever Patch when he leaves Madripoor? I don't think so. Like, is there a, a place in the airport that he can just leave his, his Patch? There's probably like a locker in the airport. Place in the airport? Yeah, yeah, when he takes a flight back. I mean, he can't take the fucking Blackbird everywhere, dude. No, he come on. Right. a regular flight out of Madripoor. <laughs> he, well, the thing is, there's no direct... Madripoor, the well-known Delta hub. <laughs> there's, there's actually no direct flights between Madripoor and New York. You have to go from Madripoor to Genosha. From Genosha mm-hmm. to Latveria. Latveria to Simcaria. Simcaria to Wakanda, which Wait, is weird. Where's Simcaria? Simcaria is in Europe, also. That's where Silver Sable is from. Oh, okay. Uh, then back to Wakanda... 
because they that's where the actual hub is. And then over to Muir Island. Uh, then up to Muir Island, then over to the blue area of the moon where the Watcher lives, mm-hmm. then to at the hidden city of Atalon. And then Savage Land. The sa- down to the Savage Land, yeah. A.K.A. Detroit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Blast, blast, blast. Uh-oh. just set Detroit on fire. Then up to Project <laughs> Pegasus, and finally to Empire State University in New York City. <clears throat> How's that from Marvel that? locations? Yeah, how's yeah. that gazetteer, Dan? Where in the world is Marvel going this time? And that's the I don't theme that song reference. for what you just did. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. You were doing Marvel locations, Dan. Well, I knew no, Rockapella. Rockapella was a friend of mine. Uh huh. You sir know Rockapella. No, you're better. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so, long story short, let me tell you about this j- zombie jamboree. In this time. No, please don't. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that song. Anyway, uh, and the, only because there was an assembly at school once where a, a group came and sang that song, and I was like, and it was endless forever. <laughs> uh, now, th- in this timeline, Bailey dies a natural death of old age. Then he's reincarnated. Bailey is reincarnated as, is the next one when he is with the a, next he's one with, with a college is, student no he is the police dog right yeah. that's right that's when dan turned to me and said who is this movie for because yeah. he is reincarnated as a police dog who is with a policeman who has lost his wife in some way either divorce or death we don't know mm-hmm. and is lonely all the time but at least things are looking up because it's not all white people <laughs> no that's true yeah he's what latino yeah yeah and I think uh, I think his like captain, the detective on the case of the the missing girl, is a black man. Uh, of course. So they track down a missing girl, and then it becomes an action scene on a bridge over a river. And this is both wildly out of tone for the movie. Up to this point, the movie well, it has these like great sweeping shots around the dam. Oh yeah, of course. And of uh, and the dog gets shot and dies during the sequence. Now, <laughs> this movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sp- we're telling the plot of the movie. Are you talking about the scene? Oh, sorry, sorry. They, the, uh, this is the third of five lives for the dogs. The dog gets shot, and you'll never guess what happens next. <laughs> Click through to find out. The, it's uh, a slideshow. Oh, scene, man. The scene where the detective uh, is, like, sobbing and holding this bleeding dog, and Josh Gad's voice says, I'm cold. Can I just go lie down in your bed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, the the... Kidnapper knocks the girl, or she falls off the bridge. He throws her off the, the bridge. The dog goes and rescues the... Yeah, the kidnapper throws his daughter off a bridge, right? It's supposed to be his daughter. Is it his right? daughter? Is it? I honestly I so. could not tell. Right before he parkours up the side of the bridge. The guy he doesn't yeah, throws throw... her off the, off the bridge, and then yeah, Spider-Man's his way up the side of the bridge. I don't think he throws her off. I think she hits him with her elbow, but that mm-hmm. kicks her off balance, oh, okay. and she falls off the bridge. Well, we'll have to return to the, the tape. Dog... Let's watch the movie again. Uh, rescues her by swimming and, and pulling her to the shore. And then he also rescues his master by coming in and, bl- and getting shot, yeah. basically. Yeah, so this movie up till these scenes has been very pastoral, let's say, mm-hmm. very slow, except for the occasional dog death, very gentle. Except even the stuff with the drunk dad is like pretty dog? gentle. It's been very Labor Day so far. Uh, I guess so. It's been, except... With even less of a sense of like plot or incident, it's just yeah. kind of like we're just bopping along to dog stuff. This dog is telling us things. It's supposed to be cute, but it's kind of gross, you know. The scene where he digs up the dead cat and drags the carcass into the house. Now that's again, that's supposed to be like a funny joke. He's uh-huh. like, the cat was missing. And that was it, where the movie lost me forever, where a cat carcass was 
pulled out for a joke. Boo-hoo. I've never read Edgar Allan Poe. I can't deal with a dead cat's body. Uh, okay. Boo, recently I lost my beloved cat. Wah, wah. Yeah, pretty accurate. You say wah, wah. Like <laughs> I do say that a lot. Yeah, and you, you can't see it, listeners, but I'm like, I'm like just twisting my hands next to my face mm-hmm. in a way that represents a baby crying. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to irritate your eyeballs. Well, that's no, the thing. Like, I'm, Very I'm, sensitive. When I'm crying, I don't want to mess my contact lenses up, so I just got to just twist my hands near, near my eyes. I mean, eyes. it's yeah. close enough. People understand. I got to indicate. So, uh... What we, oh, so up to this point, it's been very, for the most part, gentle and boring. This has been a mostly a warm bath of a movie. There weren't a lot of gunshots going on. No, then suddenly, yeah, it's the 70s, and I guess America just got gritty. Yeah. And the dog is involved in crime. Yeah, stopping yeah the dog is involved in crime. I mean, from the, the point of view of stopping it. Of, <laughs> right. of Chicago. Yeah. City of big shoulders. Uh, look, pork butcher to the world. Mm-hmm. Say something about Chicago, Dan. Something nice. Uh, the Windy City. That's neither nice nor not nice. Say something complimentary. Uh, it's got uh, it a should nice... not. It should not take you this long to compliment Chicago. Um, the the, TikTok, the Dan. Science and Industry Museum is very nice there. And you live close to there. Or you grew up close to there. Not live. How far away I from Chicago did you grow up? Three and a half hours. Like, I didn't spend a lot of time in Chicago. Was it well, too I, rough for you? No, I only went on school trips pretty much, and mm. we mostly went to the Science and Industry Museum. <laughs> yeah, I so, remember you complaining about Chi Rack before. We had a great time. <laughs> we had a great time in Chicago with a very, very fun day. That's what I'll say about That's Chicago. That's true. I only wish that I could have gone to the Field Museum to visit the Ghost in the Darkness, but alas, I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Chicago, just go visit. The lions that that movie is based on, they're just stuffed in that museum. What? The real what? lions? Yeah, the real ones. Wow. Yeah. They look very ratty. <laughs> okay. I can't, they, the, the, go, the lions like in the movie. Ratty? No, no, like the, the lions in the movie, much sexier than the real lions. Okay. But that's Hollywood, you know? They just sex them up all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way George yeah, Clooney. Shines out of balls on them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as my grandmother said uh, when Good Night and Good Luck came out, uh-huh. she was very, kind of very funny that George Clooney was playing the legendary news producer, Fred Friendly. Because she had known Friend Friendly and remembered him as a hideously ugly man. <laughs> now, I don't, a very nice man and brilliant, but as she said, you know, not, not attractive. So. All right. Uh, but the moving on, this dog dies. So anyway, this uh, dog dies. Uh, He's reincarnated again. Reincarnated. Backdoor promotion of George Clooney's appearance. <laughs> uh, reincarnated almost instantly in a way that seems kind of like torture to the dog, where he's like, he's, "Can't I rest?" He's basically the nameless one from the Planescape Torment video game. <laughs> his his soul can never find peace. I feel at some point this dog is going to encounter. Like a devilish death trap created by a previous one of his incarnations, and he's going to have to navigate it. Yeah, he's like, uh, is it Agrajag? Is that the name of the character from Hitchhiker's Guide? Who's oh, yeah. lives only to be murdered by Arthur Dent accidentally right. over and over again. Yeah. I feel like, uh, spoiler alert, he comes, uh, one of his later incarnations encounters, uh, you know, the family that you, that uh, that owned one of his previous lives. And I kept expecting him to, like, find the grave. <laughs> Dig up his own body and, and just stare at would, it. They would, he would touch the bones and then they'd time cop. They're like, in time <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you and me are on the same page. <laughs> now, uh, now he's reincarnated as a dog who is owned by a college student. Uh, and she is very lonely and she gets married and has kids. And they have a dog. They have a dog I mean, also. It's very boring. Yeah. At this point. Which I think makes up for the boringness. It the may dog be. dies it's ex- of 
old age. I mean, and it's, it's just a very probably pizza consumption. Yeah, this she's constantly feeding him human food, which is not good for a dog, and it's not good for the owner. If you get my drift, if you don't like to clean up wet loose stool, don't feed your dog human food. I do like to clean up wet loose stool. Oh, well, then so. feed your dog pizza and ice cream and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That happens in the '80s, which is very subtly signified by as soon as he emerges into the world, you hear da 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 songs of the angels. Sorry, I don't sound enough like a synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. So I like this Corgi version of him because. Corgis are adorable. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get this off. From the highest queen to the lowest peasant, everyone loves a corgi. I got to get this off my chest, guys. I think dogs are adorable. Yeah? I know. You're going to out of there in the fucking limb? I'm going to get some uh, angry tweets directed at me that I think dogs are cute, but you know what? I think they're all pretty adorable. Stuart wasn't wasn't enough of an internet hunk darling. He had to go ahead and say, what are you going to tell me, like Firefly next? I got to stand up for what I believe in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe the dogs are adorable. Uh, the thing is, hey, you know what? You know what? I don't want to. I, I don't want the internet to hate me, but you know what's delicious? Tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, what were you gonna say, Stuart? I don't know. The dogs. Are oh, so anyway, this dog dies. Not this. I'm is- gonna stand up and say that. All people should be treated with respect and dignity. <laughs> Get out of here, Dan. You're gross. <laughs> so these. Uh, so this this life is like filler life. They're just wait. They're they're treading water until the next life, which is when things get I sad. He, I think he encounters an important thing. Like he encountered a thing earlier when he was the cop dog about the idea of like how loneliness is bad. Someone else in their life. Loneliness. Is he bad. literally says, "Loneliness is the worst thing that can happen." Mm-hmm. And then Elliot and I held hands during that scene. Yeah. And then uh, in the le- in the next life, he got to see uh, two people fa- find a relationship. Granted, he saw it through his own relationship because he was in love with a much larger dog, Roxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their lovemaking has to be imagined, but I'm sure it's hilarious. He has to get up on like a little doggy steps. I no. mean, yeah. hilarious, super sexy. It depends on what you're into. Oh, sure, sure. Um, it's also not uh it's not clear whether or not this dog the the dog that he's in love with also is like a body jumping semi sentient creature. We have to assume so. And the question is is like why did he seem to gain sentience when he did? Is he like a Forrest Gump like malevolent sprite that travels through the Wait, is that what century? Forrest Gump is? <laughs> yes, you got it's, it's the sprite? subtext, but you got he's notice how he's the thread that runs through the 20th century and you know what else runs through the 20th century? Evil. <laughs> okay. Forrest Gump leaves destruction in his wake. Jenny gets AIDS, Lieutenant Dan loses his legs. Bubba dies. Yep. Everything Forrest Gump touches, he destroys. But don't worry. Except Forrest for the Gump Apple Corporation. Rich, and that ping pong paddle he touches, I guess, sees the world? Uh, well, and that feather, too. And, it, of course, it gets across the lesson that we all should have learned, which is that mm-hmm. hippies and Vietnam War protesters uh, and, I guess, Black Panthers were nothing but selfish miscreants. Mm-hmm. And, really, it's the quiet Americans who just... Put their heads down and did and get along, did what man. the government told them, and then invested in corporations. Those are the real heroes, you know. Yeah, I mean, intelligence is the enemy. Wouldn't Forrest Gump have been really fucking famous? Why wouldn't people sitting on that park bench recognize him? He gets famous. He's running coast to coast, but he has a beard. Then, I mean, but Tom Hanks is like a super recognizable dude. Well, of course, it was. If it was Tom Hanks, yes, people would I mean, recognize him. He was famous. Tom Hanks. They'd be like, "Aren't you David Pumpkins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weren't you Turner?" Mm-hmm. 
Hey, hey, honey, it's the man with one red shoe over here. <laughs> I can't, I can't it's wait. It's Mazes for... and Monsters over here. <laughs> I can't wait for somebody to <laughs> find a... Uh, and Mon- oh, it's uh, on Amazon right now. Amazon Prime. You can watch Mazes really? and Monsters. I guess someone's, someone's bonfiring a vanity over here. <laughs> I can only imagine sometime in the distant future where somebody cracks open a cryo vault and finds an old iPod with this episode of the podcast and they queue it up and they hear the name David S. Pumpkins and they go, oh, yes, the most important contribution to the world of comedy. say, how dare they blaspheme our God? This is an evil robot, evil spirit in this box. (laughs) And then they'll put it in front of an altar of Tom Hanks wearing that pumpkin suit, and they'll just burn it. Mm -hmm. Say, this pleases you, pumpkins. Pleases you. Yes, good harvest (laughs) this year. Not not enough child blood for you? More for you, pumpkins. Good harvest. Good. It's called a canticle for David S. Pumpkins (laughs) of it. It's a good book. Very good book. Um, anyway, so we're reaching the the finish well, line let's here. Just, and we're at the most, well, the dog briefly has a very sad life at living with a bunch of, let's just call them white trash who, hate, who mistreat him. He is let loose. And then when he's on his own, he discovers, hey, he discovers his old owner, Ethan, and Ethan's old girlfriend and manages to bring them back together. And at the very end, he proves that it's him to Ethan by performing that football trick. And when Ethan goes, are you the, the dog, the boss dog? Which is something that he used to call Bailey as a child. He barks. He goes, Bailey? And the dog barks. And as Dan pointed out, we were watching it. Only Bailey would bark when, <laughs> when something said to him. No other dog would ever bark at a thing. Yeah, that's, that's far harder to believe than the idea that this dog is soul hopping through time. Dennis, in this moment, and this is Dennis Quaid, I'm sorry. Who's, we, the older Ethan is Dennis Quaid. And at this moment, we are expected to believe that Dennis Quaid, who was presented to us before as a sane rational human being who was good enough to maybe play football for Michigan State yeah. uh, is now, within a moment, instantly buy into, in, buys into the idea of either dog reincarnation or that Bailey faked his death, went to <laughs> Rio, got plastic surgery to look like a younger dog, yeah. and has decided to return anyway. The movie leaves it up to the viewer to decide which of these Dennis Quaid believes. I am shocked that he doesn't collapse on the ground with a nosebleed comprehending (laughs) the enormity of scale of what lies ahead of him. That a secret of the universe has just been revealed to him. And the whole time the dog's like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? In the end, he decides what his purpose is, what, companionship? It's like jumping and catching fucking football. It's to be here now, is what he says. That's what he says? Yeah, it is. It's to live in the moment, is what is the purpose. Because you know this dog, it's the same lesson that you get from every movie where a businessman who's too busy for his family goes into an altered timeline, or becomes a kid, or goes to Never Neverland. Like, hey, you know what? I should just be here in the moment with my family. So I'm glad that this dog had to die four times to learn this. Yeah, this dog uh, he he died he died to teach us a lesson. He died for our sins and was resurrected. So they should have called this movie. Christ dog. So now that he's done this, does he get to fucking leap home? Yeah. He did. He lives with, with Ethan. That's his home. How great would it have been if fucking Sam was showing up the whole time in those it's Sam, Ziggy. Right? No. No, it's Al. Sam is the guy. Oh, Al. Main guy. Oh, Sam is Stuart yeah. left. He's so mad himself for not remembering Quantum Leap. Correctly. Character names. Al. Dean Stockwell is yeah. who you're talking about. If Al showed up, that would be great. Like Ziggy says there's a thirty two percent chance that you have to I don't know, protect the family from a fire or some shit. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, 
And then he just takes a microphone and sings uh, Candy Colored Sandman. <laughs> I think you may be confusing different Dean Stockwell. Mm, they're all, and, he has the, and then he's Are the boy sure with green Dean hair, Stockwell, right? Oh, not Harry Dean Stanton. No, they're very different people. And they're both in Paris, Texas, until the moment where they shake hands and they merge together like in Time Cop. All right. So we've been going very long. Uh, It's time to do final judgments. Whether this is trim it down in the edit room, right? Yeah, yeah. We got to do whether this is our editor Ziggy, a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie kind of like Ziggy Sabatka, Uh, another famous pop culture Ziggy. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say this is a bad bad movie, but the move the reason may surprise you. And that's because this movie kind of worked on me, and that made me angry. Like the oh, movie you fell was, victim to its manipulations. The movie was manipulating my feelings, and it was so obvious in the way it was manipulating my feelings that it was not a good movie. But the fact that it made me feel emotions made me feel angry. Well, the movie knows the tricks. It's like, happy dog, dog, happy dog, dead dog. Yeah. Happy dog. Do you see dog? Happy dog, you happy now, dead dog, you sad now. Well, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned before. Like, that's like, a caveman directing the movie. <laughs> I did have to, like, put my cat down, like, not overly long ago. Recent and, enough, yeah. And to remember what it is just like. Lulu, not Archie. Just No, Archie is still alive and kicking. And Scratching my crotch every chance he gets. And they have a literal scene where, you know, like, they take the dog to the vet to put it to sleep. And I'm just like. Why do you have to fucking do this to me, movie? I know you're not a good movie, but you're making me cry just because you're touching something in my real life that hurt me. So I guess what you're I saying did do is that with a ball python once, and it made me really sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess what you're saying, Dan, is if you could talk this movie, you'd say bad movie, bad movie, mm-hmm. bad dog's purpose. I would hit it with a rolled up newspaper, and you'd you'd shove the do- the movie's nose into itself. <laughs> That's right. So it could smell itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go with Dan. I think you know what it's. I didn't like it. It's except for the dog dying four times. It's relative <laughs> and being mistreated throughout. It's it's a it's like the movie is kind of like barely there. It's a bad bad movie, but for me it was less because it worked and more because it failed to work for me on such a simple level. The movie was so basic and so just a wisp of a thing. There was very little going on in it that I was I was like we watched this movie for like an hour and like it's barely a movie. And so yeah. I would say, uh, they, I mean, to a certain point, I guess they were trying to go for like a an Ahasard Baltazar uh, type thing, where it's, but uh, it didn't work. Probably, yeah. You know, however, that's pronounced. You know, there's there's some stuff in this movie that I think there's some stuff that I like. Obviously, I like seeing puppos running around being dogs. Uh, <laughs> you love mispronouncing uh, words. I and there's some shots that I think are beautiful. There's some really beautiful shots of like a farm. And like foggy mornings and a sweet puppo. It's not a bad looking movie. It's a well, very nicely shot movie. On the other hand, like I get so uncomfortable now of shots and stories that like reek of like shitty Americana nostalgia, and it just it just doesn't work for me. Like I I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Uh, and this movie wasn't particularly good. And the idea of a dog that is jumping bodies over and over and over is fucking insane and creepy. Yeah, I agree. How do you say cheese in Spanish? What show should I have on my DVR? What are the best songs of the year? Is VR cool? What's your jam? Which one of you is the Renata of the panel? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable discussion that always has a fun, diverse panel 
talking about the stuff we love. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcast. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. So moving on, we have a couple of sponsors uh, to talk about tonight. They help fund the flop house. Uh, number one is Welcome to the Fund House. <laughs> mm-hmm. this is, just trying it out. This is a real super fund site. The Flop House. Because we're not far from the Gowanus area. Yeah. Uh, hey, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find uh, the best? Dan, candidate? are you leaving your job? <laughs> Zip Recruiter. You can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Wait, 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 wait. So Zip Recruiter mm-hmm. allows me to post job listings to over 100 sites and social networks so if you're looking for like an Facebook. Like Dan, who's lo- leaving his job. No, nope. you heard nope. it here first. Dan is leaving nope. his job. Nope. And what's that? Transitioning. Yeah. Hey, more power to you, Dan. I'm proud of you. New career. I'm proud of you. Uh, you can just put a listing up on ZipRecruiter for I don't know, like um, in what what are the what's it called? The guys that that people hire to crawl around like dogs with dog collars on and be like their slaves for sexual reasons. Wait, what? Is that that's the kind of job Dan wants? So just put up a All listing right. for that on ZipRecruiter, and you can hire Dan. Don't kink shame. That's a, that's a job. I would have to. I mean, it's no job. Feels like work when you love it. <laughs> If, if when you love your work, I it doesn't feel like a job. Don't know why we have to be taking down innocent kinksters in the. No, we're not. I'm just impressed that that's a thing you can do for a living. Like if that's something you just like to do, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, look, there's no reason you shouldn't do it as a for a I job. Guess that makes sense. Uh, I'm let, sure there's a union for it. Listen, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. You're putting the word out, and ZipRecruiter is getting that word to the people yeah. so they can apply. Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. I can only assume some of our listeners are business owners. Yeah, sure. Small businesses, big businesses. The biggest. The members of the band Big Business who are mm-hmm. looking for a guitar player. So the movie Big a, Business a with Bette and Midler basis. and Lily Tomlin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that was, mm-hmm. And they played twins or they something. Two right? sets of twins. It's awesome. They should have called that movie. It's awesome. Two sets of twins, the movie. <laughs> Twin twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ZipRecruiter, try it today. If you're a company, you're a person, you're hiring somebody, ZipRecruiter. The Flophouse is also supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Uh, Casper mattresses feature supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. <laughs> Risk-free trial and return policy Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the U.S. and Canada and painless returns. The mattresses are made in the made in America, made in the America. I almost mm-hmm. said, starring Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. Special yeah. offer, Whoopi Goldberg. It's really to listeners met. of the Flophouse. Flophouse listeners can get fifty dollars toward any mattress 
by visiting www.casper.com slash Flophouse and using the promo code Flophouse, all one word, at checkout. Casper.com slash Flophouse, promo code Flophouse. You get to sleep like Terms a Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, sleep, sleep like, like a Dan. Dan. Casper. That's now, right. Dan, you're a Casper user. Uh-huh. I want to hear about their sync and their bounce, as you said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the sync. Start with the sync, yeah. When you great. and Archie have pillow fights on the bed, mm-hmm. how's that bed hold up? Uh, it's good. Archie gets a little rough with the pillow fights. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to be like, Archie, Archie, this is for fun. Mm-hmm. This is for fun, Archie. When you and Archie, Archie plays, you're hurting me. You yeah. Stop it, Archie. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, now that now what about the bounce? The bounce, my friends, is where the Casper mattress really sings. Mm-hmm. Oh, the bounce. Boy, howdy. You go down, you go up. You go down, you go up. It's a classic bounce situation. They made and a movie about it starring Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow. They called him <laughs> just to loosen my collar here a little bit. They made, uh, <laughs> Getting a little, yeah, steamy. They made a movie uh, with Owen Wilson that no one watched it's called The Big Bounce, and it was all about Casper mattresses. When you and Archie are playing sandworm on the bed, that's where you wrap yourself up in the blanket and then you roll around like you're a giant sandworm. <laughs> that's right. Uh, how's the Casper mattress hold up? Does it feel like you're rolling around in the sands of Arrakis? Yeah, the dune planet. <laughs> <laughs> feel Why like you're would just, I want to roll a, around on a bunch of sand? Because you're a maker and you're making awesome, spice. <laughs> Fair enough. Because the Fremen depend on you. That's part of the game is you get to be something bigger than what now, you are in your real life. Did yeah, you, exactly. When you read it, did you read that as Fremen? Or, or Fremen. I read it as Freeman. I, I, would, I know that, that it was supposed to be like Freeman, but then I started thinking they all looked like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Oh, okay. You were like, I am not a Fremen. I am a free man. Yeah, just like Patrick Mfremen. <laughs> That's, uh, um, now, Dan. Yeah. Uh, a lot of questions being thrown around tonight. No, your mention of pillow fights made me think of a cute story about my son. Okay. Now, my son likes to stand on my mattress, which, alas, is not a Casper, and have a pillow fight, which means he just hits me in the face with a pillow. I've started doing a bit. Where I take a pillow and then fluff it and then say, okay, miss, I've fluffed you. You're not going to hit me now, right? And the pillow nods and then it hits me anyway. He thinks this is hilarious and he started repeating this bit back to me. But very elaborately, where he's like, I'm going to fluff the pillow now. Okay, Mr. Pillow, you're not going to hit me now. Oh, I won't hit you, Sammy. Okay. And then his stunt work is not so great, but he mimes getting hit by the pillow. And it's like, and he's like, hey, you hit me. And I'm very proud of him. Does he do a thing where he hits himself and then, like, super delayed, like, jumps up and falls on the floor on the bed? Uh, no. Because I find that that was what I would do when I was hitting myself with a pillow. <laughs> the more the delay is, the funnier it is. That it would make no sense that it would take this long for that pillow strike to lay me low. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. He's not quite there yet, but he's, okay. he's, he's throwing my jokes back at me very yeah. well. Uh, There's another got, bit we do. Yeah. Where he makes soup for me in the bath by just scooping water into a cup. Uh-huh. And then I pretend that, oh, I can't wait to taste this soup. And just as I'm about to bring it to my lips, I go, a chew, and I'm sneezing, and I th- hurl the water back into the tub, mm-hmm. spilling it. He thinks that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, have you actually done that at a restaurant yet? No, he's going to think it's less hilarious when scalding soup comes flying through the air. <laughs> yep. And he's like, why am I taking a bath in the restaurant, Dad? That's <laughs> uh, crazy. Okay, we so all float in this restaurant, Dad. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you ever, does your son ever say things yes. that are totally terrifying? 
occasionally, well, my son is in a in this. Does he's, he like look over your shoulder and say, "There's my secret friend," and you're like, "What is happening, <laughs> Dad?" All I wanted to say was, "Ring around the rosy." No, what he does is he's both very articulate for a three year old, and then also very prone to speaking in tongues. So he'll just be like. Daddy, and I'm like, what demon are you conjuring? Now, <laughs> when I was a young uh, child, I've I've been told by my brother John, who's ten years older than me, that he came across me once in my room, rocking back and forth and saying, "Evil spirits come today, evil spirits come to stay," <laughs> and this has disturbed me for many years. It explains a lot, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, your life is falling into place in a way that I didn't expect. <laughs> oh, man. It was like, uh, I'm Chaz Palminteri at the end of Usual Suspect. <laughs> oh, no, you just dropped your favorite mug. Oh, no. It's just made by Anne McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what comes next on the show, Dan? Next then, or should I tell you more, more stories about my amazing no. son? I'm going to tell you a story about a jumbotron. Jumbotron. Oh, it's jumbotron yeah, time. It's jumbotron time, guys. This message is from the secret coven of the sisters of the flop. The message is for, this is a Hanley voice. Let me see if I can do this. The ladies know who this message is for. How was that? Uh, it sounded like you with a little more sass. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Ladies, let's talk about your pelvic floor. We all know we should <laughs> kegel, but who can remember to do them on the regular? This is your reminder, my lovelies. Squeeze and hold and release. If you remember nothing else, try to remember to kegel every time you hear Dan sigh. Soon we will have the strength to defeat the patriarchy and rule the world. I feel disingenuous reading that. (laughs) Is that a uh, important reminder or a chilling auger of things to come? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I I bring it on. You either just foretold the handmaid's tale or stopped the handmaid's tale from coming. The handmaiden's tale? Is that the, the... the the Park Chan Wook. Yeah, the Park no, Chan-wook. that's just called the Handmaiden. Okay, Handmaid's Tale is a different thing. Oh, okay. Did oh did. boy. <laughs> oh boy. I that roll. Went over way better when I remembered things. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a jumbotron message too. This is a message okay. for Mark from Steven. and the message is: Happy birthday to my favorite brother to watch all the greatest movies with: The Great Mouse Detective, The Great Muppet Caper, and of course, Fateful Findings. No matter. Hit it, Rockapella. Where in the world you are parking your carcass when you hear this. I hope you find the file that makes you sweep all the laptops off your desk in excitement. Thanks for very the nice. Jumbotrons, guys. That's a very nice message. Uh, we have some things to promote, right? Yeah, Dan? right. We do have some things to promote. We've got a live show on uh, June the 9th. At the Bell House. At the Bell House. In beautiful Brooklyn. Uh, sold out yet? Our early show is sold out. Our late show, the one at 10 p.m., is as of this uh, taping not sold out. Oh man, that one's going to be dark and dirty, guys. Because that is fifty, 50 shades, shades darker. darker on sixty nine, dudes. Oh mm-hmm. boy, it's going to be. If you ever want, you think this show's filthy with its talk of precom. 
That show is going to be super filtherama. <laughs> Elliot shivered when he just. Said it's not a word I like. Uh, it's gonna. The, I guarantee you. Ejaculate. I. No. Smiled at Elliot. That was not like a thing that I liked. Uh, I guarantee you that that everyone will leave that Fifty Shades Darker show feeling gross and ashamed of themselves. Yeah, you don't want to get in the splash zone on that one. You want to stay near the back of the room. I mean, it's possible that. We'll just lose control, and the whole room will turn into an all-out orgy of guys in black T-shirts. But probably not. Probably we'll all just feel gross because we'll say words that are disgusting in front of people. Uh, and we have another show to promote, right? There's one in Philly. On July 16th. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia, the city of big sandwiches. Uh-huh. That's part of the Philly Podfest. Cheese Whiz Central. You got one? I'm Home of the here. Philly Podfest, okay. which our show will be part of okay. on July 16th. And that show is at 8 o'clock, I believe. Yeah. Uh, 8 o'clock on a Sunday night, January, January, on July 16th. And I am going to be rushing to Philadelphia from my aunt's birthday party in Manhattan. So I'm going to be there, and I have I to hope. make a, a real effort. So you guys better be there, too. And by you guys, I mean the audience and also Dan and Stewart. And I'm going to be probably working through some kind of hangover. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do an Elliot Day in Philadelphia, here's what I recommend. One, get a cheesesteak. Two, go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, go see the world's greatest collection of Marcel Duchamp's work, uh-huh. and also the statue that used to be on top of the old Madison Square Garden years and years ago. Should MSG. be in New York, but it's not. It's in Philadelphia. Then kill some time for a few hours and then come see us record a live episode of the flop house yeah head down to that store the reliquary that sells heavy metal records and warhammer dudes <laughs> yeah go ahead go for it uh and so those are our plugs so those those are our live shows june 9th at the bell house in brooklyn july 16th in philadelphia and i have a correction guys i want to start what? when i when mistakes and things i say are pointed out to me online mm-hmm. i want to start correcting them just to correct the record so mm-hmm. in the last episode i erroneously credited anne hathaway with an Oscar win for Rachel Getting Married. In fact, it was Les Miserables that really? she won that Academy Award for. Yes. Get out of here. So yeah. I, it's a correction from me. I apologize to anyone who was making an Anne Hathaway almanac and was misled by my incorrect memory. On a long overdue correction from me, of course, Walter Hill did not direct Midnight Run. It was Martin Brest. Martin Brest. How could you forget him? I guess his name was Martin Butts, you'd remember. Mm-hmm. While we're doing corrections, guys, uh, I don't want to say anything because I'm great and I never mess anything up. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I don't mean to shame y'all. I mean, if anything, that's the greatest error of all. Yeah, that's the thing, being too perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say when I go to job interviews. <laughs> I, I work too hard. I think yeah. I, dry, I hold myself to too high a standard. Mm-hmm. Also, I just care too much. I have this thing where I have sex with couches in the office, mm-hmm. so, but mostly it's that I work too hard and I hold myself to too high a standard. Yeah, and I treat that couch super well afterwards. Oh like, yeah, I, I make love to no, the couch. We, we have like brunch and stuff later. Yeah, yeah, and no, I give I totally it, call the couch, and then I give it a gift basket full of Derek Jeter memorabilia, as yeah. is the proper thing to do the next morning. Yeah. Now is the time on the podcast where we answer letters from listeners like you. Letters are as such. This one's titled On Butts and Such. It's from Justin, last name withheld. Hi, Justin. Who writes? Justin Thoreau, star of TV's The Leftovers, which should not be left over this season. You should watch it, I think. I actually don't, though. I don't like that show. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a real trip for that. Yep. 
Man, I'm, I've roasted the city of Detroit and the TV show that left it. <laughs> oh, you're, you're gonna, you don't care whose toes you step on. You have no friends left. Mm-hmm. You know, as they say, the mark of a true journalist is when he dies and no one attends his funeral. <laughs> yeah. Dan, you got to make sure to tag this episode Bridge Burden. <laughs> Just put this in the, in the hot takes house. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe like make the explicit tag super, uh, super like cover it with flames. Yeah. So what does Justin Throw say? On butts and such. I recently rewatched Lethal Weapon for the first time in probably a couple of decades and was disappointed to find that it did not live up to my childhood memories. Nonetheless, I was struck by how much nudity played a part at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. In the very first scene, the half-naked call girl does some poison drugs and proceeds to throw herself from the balcony of a condo. Cut to Murtaugh's family surprising him while he's taking a bath with a birthday cake. A close inspection. Why was he taking a bath with a birthday cake? Uh, <laughs> That's weird. He didn't think his wife was home. A close inspection <laughs> of the water reveals he's not taking a lush bubble bath. The water looks a little cloudy at best, with some sparse bubbles here and there. I mean, he's a cop. He's not made out of bubbles. Yeah. So you know that his wife and kids can clearly make out his 50-year-old dong just under the surface of the water. This scene is great because as a father, it perfectly shows that your right to any sort of private space ends the moment your kids can walk. Oh, Believe me, that's the case. I have to use the toilet with my hand pressed up against the door to stop a three-year-old gremlin from pushing it open and wandering in. That's your in fault for not having tell- a lock on your door. <laughs> well, that's the fault of my okay. landlord for not putting locks on the doors. I do that, too, because my cat meows if I don't let him in. I'll let him in, and then Muscles meows at me until I pet him. And then he falls down, and if I keep petting him, he attacks me. <laughs> if I don't keep petting him... He jumps up and attacks me. It's a real damned if you do, damned if you don't type uh-huh. thing. Uh, he goes on. Finally, the next scene, we are treated to a lengthy dose of Mel, G- Mel Gibson's Aussie ass cheeks. So I ask that you. used to be his fucking calling card, by the way. Yeah, he used to show his butt a lot. I ask you, when and why. I mean, why? literally, he would leave his butt at the scenes of crimes that he committed. <laughs> it was his calling card. <laughs> so I ask Dear you. Dear boss, here's my butt. <laughs> when and why did our major motion pictures become so prudish? Your most obedient and humble servant, Justin, last name withheld. Uh, I would say that American movies go in cycles of uh, libertinage-ness and prudery, uh, going through the 30s into the late 30s and 40s. You had from the 50s into the 60s and 70s and then back again. So, like, by the time of... there, There was that period in the 80s when almost every comedy seemed to have nudity in it, and even some family movies had butt nudity in it. Then by the late 80s, early 90s, that was shifting away, and you just had kind of action movies and thrillers would show boobs, and now even that's pretty much gone away. And who knows? Maybe at some time that'll change, but for some reason we are in a cycle. Maybe it's changed I mean, a little bit for I mean, comedies. I think, I think I'll help answer this question, guys. It's because of money. Yeah. Well, that's it. They've got to, they've got to attract as many people to the movie as no, they No, that's get. what I, I was going to say. I think that the 80s had an advantage because it was a time of, like, they had the advantage of relaxed standards in movies, but by the time uh, our time comes around, people have worried so much about appealing to such a broad audience that it's all PG-13 stuff. Yeah, I'm going to paraphrase uh, director James Mangold, uh, the director of Logan, a movie that I still haven't seen. I haven't seen it either. He was talking about, he was talking about that sort of thing, and he was talking about how uh, movies, especially like big summer movies, have to appeal to the broadest audience possible. And so that's basically like second graders. And that when he was in second grade, his favorite TV show was ALF. <laughs> so ba- that's basically a sign that he was an idiot when he was in second grade. And that 
in general. I'm deserve. sorry. What are you saying about I think, I think I hate to correct you, Stuart, I mean, since as you pointed out. I don't know why you're shooting the messenger here. As, as Stop you, shooting me. As you pointed out, you've never made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I believe you're confusing what James Mangold said with what Matt Singer said coming off of what James Mangold said. I, I could easily be doing that, that my least favorite movie critic, Matt Singer, was saying <laughs> <laughs> Matt Singer, who is very bad at hero clicks, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> you would know, strangely. Uh, I would say there's also the international market is not as welcoming to nudity as it once was years really? ago. I would because the international you market. Send it over to Europe. I thought they're all like boobs and wieners. Well, the international market used to be like Europe, and now it's more Asia. And they're not into boobs and wieners? Not in the same way. Everyone has, like, every place has its different things that they're okay with and not okay with. They are the best parts, Stuart. (laughs) The best parts. But, uh, what, of the body, or? Yeah. I would say it's a combination of things. But I do think, I think we'll see that cycle turn again at some point as either movies become more of a niche thing and don't worry about capturing a mass yeah, audience anymore. First, folks, Elliot predicts a return of nudity uh, and stuff. Yeah, and then eventually a return of prudishness, as we have to appeal to aliens who don't want to see those disgusting human nude bits. Yeah, that makes sense. This next letter is from Randall, last name withheld, who writes... Randall Flagg? Oh, no, from the stand? Yikes! I ended up checking out an old Hollywood auction catalog, and lo and behold, I found a holy grail of yours... The original weasel stand-in rehearsal puppet from Who Framed Roger Whoa. Rabbit. What? Estimated at three to $5,000. Reasonable. Yeah, that's not bad. Which brings me to this question. Besides the weasel, what is your true holy grail of movie props or memorabilia? What movie item that you might encounter would tempt you to break the bank? I can only imagine the ding-dongs, sleds, and whatnots that might do so. Thanks, and please pass on my love for Archie Randall, last name withheld. Interesting. Who asked this question? Randall? Yeah. Oh, Randall Flagg. That's right. It's, inter- uh, it's interesting that the greatest villain in Stephen King's yeah. oeuvre would ask this question oh, now. Evil. Because this is something I've been thinking about lately and actually I've been talking to my wife about. There is <laughs> one thing that is I have never been able to justify the expense of. And yet, if I find one on the market again, I think I will go for it because it's like this is the thing that's always been holding out. And that is that every now and then – an original drawing from Gertie the Dinosaur goes up on auction. This is the Windsor McKay cartoon from 1916, I think it was, and that he drew it all himself. And because he didn't have cells, every drawing he did for it has the background, has everything. He drew thousands of drawings for this cartoon. And every now and then an original frame from it or drawing from it goes up for auction for like for a while years ago they were up for around $5,000. Lately it's more like 8 to 10, and it's like I've always been like I can't justify spending that much money on a drawing of a dinosaur. And yet, if I see it, but it's gone by so many times. And as I say to myself, it's partly an investment in value in in a a piece of original art. But more than anything, it's something I want really badly. So if you Flophouse listeners ever see a Gertie the Dinosaur drawing up for auction somewhere, let me know because I want to buy one. Yeah, th- uh, this is a tough question. I, I mean, I have a couple of answers. So, like, let's assume there's a couple of holy grails for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I want something that I'm going to get a lot of use out of. So, it would probably be either the snakeskin jacket from Wild at Heart that Sailor wears. Mm. Okay, it's a symbol sort of his individuality, yeah. and his sure, and personal freedom. Yeah, as uh, he says, or maybe a pair of sunglasses from They Live, uh, or the cat. Uh, corpse from uh, 
reanimator. Would you settle for the cat corpse from a dog's purpose? <laughs> uh, maybe. Can I squirt it full of reagent? <laughs> Probably. Uh, but I don't think my wife would let me display that one. Um, but I think my number one would be the original puppet of the lady gremlin from Gremlins 2, so I could give it to Dan for a 10-year anniversary gift. Uh, See? They had that Stan Winston auction recently, and there was so much gremlin stuff in it. Yeah, you stole the thing that I was going to say, which was... <laughs> the lady gremlin? Not the lady gremlin specifically, but any original gremlins puppet would yeah. be my thing. I'm surprised, actually, that Elliot didn't go if for that. If you'll see, I had notes here... Dirty Dinosaur Cell and Gremlins Puppet. Oh, and I decided, so we can all agree on I decided to go with the one that I'm... I'll have to... Uh, if, even if you have to uh, stealth into Robert Picardo's home like a ninja <laughs> from Tenchu the video game and steal the... <laughs> Wait, you think Gremlins. Robert Picardo has it because he's still in love with her? <laughs> yeah, he's still... How, like, he met her once on the set of Gremlins 2 and had to take her home. And then they're in love forever, so you have to steal her It's a real Kevin Klein Phoebe Cates situation. Like, like uh, like Paris, and take her away to Dan's. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if there was if like there was that Stan Winston auction, and they had a lot of Gremlins two stuff up. They had a Bat Gremlin. I think they had the Lady Do they Gremlin. Have the uh, Electric Gremlin. Uh, well, that was an animation, so no. But they had so many, and it was another one where it was like. <coughs> That was one where I can I've talked to my wife about it and she said like that Gertie the dinosaur thing I know it means a lot to you in the end it we can afford it probably someday and something that'll appreciate in value like you should buy it but the gremlins puppet and we we'll, we can display that a gremlins puppet she's never going to be okay with me displaying <laughs> that like can I put this bat monster <laughs> up in the house That's insane that's an amazing thing to put in the house I know not until I have my my own study/office where I'll put like a like a elephant skull or something to do not an elephant skull, like a Tyrannosaurus skull. Yeah, thank you. I'll be bidding for one against Nicolas Cage yeah, and Leo like, DiCaprio. Yeah, or like some kind of like a giant coin that's crossed, like, uh, yeah. crossed out on one side. Oh, yeah, to remember my many adventures. Maybe like Jason Todd's dead body. I'll have my giant penny, my giant dinosaur robot, Jason Todd's costume from after he died in a glass cylinder. Grendel Prime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Grendel Rose's skull and also Grendel Prime. Uh, this is from Best Last Name Withheld, who says a few nice things up top uh, about how much she likes us, but let's get to the question. <laughs> I have a question in response to Dan's recent recommendation. I don't want to pat ourselves on no, the back. No, No, no. Why we'll should we feel it, good about we'll ourselves? separately and feel good about ourselves. Yeah. I have a question in response to Dan's recent recommendation. Bless his heart. Recently, Dan recommended the film The Wonder Boys, based on Michael Chabon's novel of the same name. Well, it's just Wonder Boys. But, uh... I read the book recently. Wow, okay. I guess you didn't want to read those compliments so that you'd be feel better about slagging her? <laughs> no. I just wanted to I just yeah, I can't I can't let it go. Uh I read the book recently and really enjoyed it, but made the mistake of watching the film adaptation only a few days later. Having the novel so fresh in my mind, the film's collapsing of the plot for fewer characters, Seder dinners and dead animals and the dr- and the drunk seemed like a waste. Have you ever seen a film adaptation of a novel too soon after reading the novel so it was impossible to see past the differences to enjoy the film? Thanks so much. Best last name withheld. I mean, for the longest time, I've always, like, for the longest time, any time. You mean I for read, the longest time? Oh, 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 oh. oh the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're saying for the longest time? When I'd read a novel, then watch a movie. 
I love it. Keep going. Whistle thing. <laughs> Uh, and then you'd see it, <laughs> and then you read that book. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I would always be disappointed. Like I'd always wa- read the book and then watch the movie and be disappointed. Um, so, I mean, this seems like an obvious, like most things, like it's not a surprise. Uh, but then, I mean, there was, I, I don't know if it was because like special effects or something started to catch up with, catch up with my imagination, but, uh, and exceed it. Yeah. Um, but I think the most recent example of that was, uh, I, I think it, it was, I had read, uh, LA confidential and then rewatched the movie because mm-hmm. I just read the book. Um, and I remember loving the movie when it came out, uh, but watching it right after reading the book, it seems so much smaller and like a like a Hollywood movie. Like it, it, it seemed less of what it should have been. Mm-hmm. I uh, even though the movie The Princess Bride is is a terrific movie, that's crazy. I <laughs> read the book so much as a kid that I couldn't like fully embrace the movie. Like I love the movie. Don't get me wrong, but I like there's so much stuff that I miss from the book like that they couldn't do in the movie like there's no re- like there's no way that they could do like the whole uh conceit of the book which is that this is a uh like they took an old book that had all these boring bits and cut out all the boring bits and just had the good parts and uh and William Goldman's dad only read him the good parts of the book and he this is his abridged version of this old history that uh he used to have read to him and there's stuff in there like there's the zoo of death sequence in the book that uh, is cut out for the movie where Prince Humperdinck has this zoo of all the other animals that he's captured that Indigo and uh, and uh, Fezzik have to go through to get to find the body of Wesley. And it's an exciting sequence. And there's all this stuff that I just missed from the movie, you know, like the book that's not in the movie. What you're saying is Peter Jackson should have directed it because then he would have included everything. Yeah. I mean, that's just the thing about like books versus movies. There's always going to be more in the book. And occasionally uh, it's it's rare that there's more in the movie. Like in terms in I would say that like the Godfather, there's not more plot wise in the movie than the book, but there's more thematically. Right, in the, it's certainly a deeper movie than it is book. Well, and then like there are all those like Hitchcock movies that were made out of like short stories. Well, that, but those the, the it ended up being so far from the yeah. like Vertigo is such a beautiful movie, but it's so far from the original source material. I mean, he, I feel he would, like we've talked about movies that end up being better or as good as books many times on this show. Yeah, that's true. They turn it's a tale as old as time. I prefer the. I actually weirdly enough prefer the Lord of the Rings movies to the books. And mm-hmm. and like I pre- I think I prefer the scanner Dar- uh, a scanner darkly movie to the book really uh, I think so I think it I think it makes a little more sense or if mm. anything I think they work well together okay I see that uh, I have how, one, how many letters do we have left I've got one really quick letter for you Elliot here's a um, really quick letter from me 
It's Ellie, it's time to shine. Sorry, guys, step aside, cause it's Ellie, it's time. Ellie, it's time for a quick letter just for Elliot. Will they tell Elliot how much they like Elliot? Will they tell Elliot that he kinda smelled it? Will they tell Elliot to go to Elliot? Only one way to find out, which is let Dan read this letter for Elliot. Elliot, that's me, Elliot, Elliot, me, Elliot, Elliot, that's me. Hey, guys, it's me. Elliot here, and I just found out there's a letter from me here. Jesus was the Christ. name of a space station. Is that a rap <laughs> It would have been if I knew what I was doing. So let's get to that letter for Elliot. Let's take to the streets and demand and read it. Let's call our senators and representatives and say, hey, Dan, read that letter for Elliot. Stop hiding Elliot under a bushel. Get that letter out. Let's say it. Let's hear it. Let's put it in lights in the sky. Let's read it up all over the place. Read it here. Read it there. TV, radio, newspapers. Maybe on the internet too. Tweet it out. Instagram, Facebook, Periscope. (laughs) Uh, I'm at the big finish, okay? Okay. So let's get that letter reading. Let's get it going before it's snowing. Dan, read that letter out now for Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. Hey, that's me. All right, this is from Caleb, last name withheld. That sounds like Kalen, which is my name. Uh, it's uh, it's titled Elliot WTF. <laughs> hey, hey, Elliot. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. That sounds like a hit job. Hey, Elliot. Just finished that Time Travelers episode of the new MST3K. I was excited to finally have an excuse to watch that terrible movie again because I had remembered the vast majority of the movie being insanely boring until the last two to three minutes or so when it gets bonkers. The film literally starts fast-forwarding itself through the entire narrative in order to show the time loop the main characters encountered. Then the episode ended without the fast-forwarding bit. Granted, it's a solid two minutes of runtime that might prove hard to fill with jokes, but I was surprised nonetheless. I mean, that ending is easily the craziest thing about that movie, right? Caleb last name withheld. I mean, here's the dirty secret of Mystery Science 50,000. We gotta Uh-oh. cut the movies down to 70 minutes. We can't show the whole movie, because... We got to have room for the other bits, the host segments and things like that. So sometimes maybe your favorite scene gets cut out. There was a whole monster that got cut out of Wizards of the Lost Kingdom too. Hey, you got to make your choices. So I'm sorry about that. But hey, how about that sweet cameo in the Time Travelers episode by me, Elliot Kalin, in the part of Dr. Varno, the intergalactic libertine? Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. Oh, man, my favorite outfit I've ever worn. It looked like very comfortable... Pajamas. Oh, it was very comfortable. Did you get to take that uh, costume home with you? No, unfortunately. But I wore it all day, even while I was eating lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine you with like a big like submarine sandwich with like marinara sauce squirting (laughs) out of it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, with a with a giant bib that has his own face on it. That's right. Here's a little Easter egg for people. Uh, maybe you can put it on my Goofs page in IMDb. Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's an Easter egg and not a critter critter egg? It might be a critter egg, so don't hatch it. If it's, it might be a, an alien egg, so don't lean over it because the face hugger will hug Why your does face. Everyone lean over eggs in the alien universe. <laughs> I don't know because they're opening up and they're like maybe a pretty flower is in this. Yeah, or a new pet. Um, take a look and see how I don't know what to do with my arm in that scene. So I just kind of have it. Cocked at an angle, doing nothing for a long time. Do you think uh, if Pepe Le Pew was in the alien universe? Okay, keep talking. <laughs> I like where this is going. Because he's always like taking time to smell them flowers. 
He totally have a little chest burster wrap around his face. Here's what would happen. Well, the chest burster doesn't wrap around your face. The face hugger does. Chest burster, mm-hmm. as the name implies, bursts from your chest. Okay. That so thanks sense. for playing. Here's the home game. <laughs> it's called Loser the Game. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, is there a resale value on this thing? Zero dollars. Oh, shit. To okay. pay someone to take it, actually. Okay, now, here's the thing. Take up shelf space. Here's what would happen in what I'm going to call... Uh, Alien 6, uh, <laughs> Sentimental Aliens. Mm-hmm. Sentimental is spelled S-C-E-N-T dash Emmental. Uh, and that a the face hugger escapes from the egg, uh-huh. but then some white paint falls on its back. Uh-huh. And that and Pepe oh, Le Pew no. thinks that face hugger is a beautiful lady skunk, and he is trying to fuck it. <laughs> yeah, well, of course he is. <laughs> yeah, because he's Pepe Le Pew. He's a, he's, a, he's a rapist. Uh, okay. What a great note to end on that segment. Uh, it's recommendations time. It's recommendations. My recommendation is called For Sentimental Reasons, the first Pepe Le Pew cartoon. Okay. Oh, wow. Now, Pepe Le Pew. How is sentimental spelled? Uh, S-C-E-N-T dash immental. Uh. Now, in this cartoon, we see Pepe Le Pew not punished for his actions, which leads to future cartoons. Because mm-hmm. he learns this is just how male skunks are expected to behave. Uh-huh. And he's European, so people kind of give him a pass. Yeah, because he's got an accent. People are like, it's charming. Come on. Remember the movie French Kiss? <laughs> and they're, then other people are like, no, I don't remember that movie. <laughs> That's Kevin Klein in it. Yeah. Um, so recommendations of movies that we've seen recently or not that we recommend instead of watching A Dog's Purpose. You know what? We're we, not all haters. No, we love things, too. Dan, here's, a, here's an editorial note. When you say movies we've seen recently or not, you could just say movies. Well, I just I'm making I'm trying to indicate time. that we these are usually <laughs> movies that we've watched recently, but, but they don't always. have to be. Yeah, sometimes we just don't see a movie we liked that much in the time between episodes. Yeah, but I did. But Dan, you go first. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that definitely needs all the help it can get. Yeah, it is certainly not. A worldwide box office smash. Is it Jaws? And it's not a movie that I'm recommending just because it's the only other movie <laughs> that I've seen making sense? in between times. <laughs> is it Castle Freak? Is it and Vertigo? That is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Volume 2. Um, which I enjoyed I hope to see that someday. quite a bit. It was, uh, I enjoyed it almost as much, if not as much, as the first version of that movie. Uh-huh. The first version of that movie. Was this a remake already? <laughs> yeah. uh, the first installment of that series. Uh, I Here's what I say about the Guardians movies. They actually make me feel a little bit more than the other Marvel movies. Like, I watch Marvel movies. What, more than Iron Man 3? <laughs> I watch Marvel movies and I'm like. Stop talking shit about Iron Man 3, dude. I'm, I didn't like it. <laughs> I watch these movies they and I'm... an adventure in a fucking loading dock. Oh, it's not God what I sake. wanted from an Iron Man movie. All I'm saying is I watch these movies and I feel like the emotions of thrills. Okay. I feel some laughter. Chills. But I don't actually Spills. feel like... What about automobiles? I don't feel any like actual pathos or... Uh, Empathy or engagement with the characters really that Any much. other ones, you're saying? Any of the other ones. Oh, but yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, like, I find that I actually have emotional reactions to these these films that, uh, as silly as they are, and they're, they work very hard to be irreverent, also at the end of Guardians 2, I found myself... Uh, like I've been taking on an emotional journey. There Do was not tell me what happens in the I'm movie or you. at the end. What I will tell I'm you, I already know too much about I new will characters. Tell you that 
uh, Michael Rooker's really great in it. Okay, yeah. well, that didn't, you don't have to tell me yeah, that. I just surprised. assume it. Come the on. fact that this fucking movie features a cliffhanger fucking reunion is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Worth making the film for. Mm-hmm. And a Tango and Cash reunion, right? And kind of. I mean, I mean, they're not in the same, the same. I don't, yeah, I don't the same movie. movie. They're not yeah. in the same. That's disappointing. Man, Michael Rooker's great. The best part about seeing that movie with my wife is me afterwards, me being like, man, Michael Rooker's so great. And my wife's like, what movies is he in? And I started listing movies, and she had not seen a single one. <laughs> She's not a big Henry fan? <laughs> yeah, Did man. she like him in this movie? Uh, yeah, she liked him a lot. Okay. My, my, the, uh, the, the Guardians movies are definitely uh, Charlene's favorite Marvel property. I think mine is still, I still like the Captain America movies the most. I think it's because every time that Chris Evans does stuff, I'm like, oh, man, what a great guy. That now, are guy. we talking about just Marvel Studios movies or any Marvel character? That's what I'm doing right now, yeah. Okay. What would you say if it was only any Marvel character? Well, Spider-Man, and specifically Spider-Man 2. That's yeah. a great one. That's Which good. is great. That's, That's still my favorite superhero movie. That movie features my favorite thing in a superhero movie when Peter Parker doesn't have powers and he walks past a alleyway where some guy's getting mugged. up a guy and the guy just goes... Help! <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps on walking. Oh, it's so fucking funny. That movie is one speech too long, but otherwise that's a movie where I genuinely like... There's a there's a couple scenes in that movie that I find so beautiful on like an emotional and an allegorical level that it, it's I, I don't think it's been matched for me. It, after watching that movie, part of it's like, okay, somebody figured out how to do superhero movies. We don't ever have to do them again. Yeah, kind of. Certainly we don't have to make... Although I liked a lot of Spider-Man three, I have to say, but they didn't I have like to Spider-Man make it. 3. I like all the Marvel movies just fine, but like they they don't necessarily fulfill a they don't like fill a void that was not existent. Ugh, I like I feel weird saying this. I've been thinking about it a lot lately that like I'm kind of sated by the by there's more there's more Marvel entertainment content available now than I have an appetite for, which has never been the case in my entire life before this. Where, like, there's so many Marvel TV shows and so many Marvel movies, and still they're comics. And it's like, you know what, world? You're just producing more Marvel stuff than I need. You've been, you've been reading the comics pretty steadily, though, right? I mean, I'm behind at this point because I don't have the time to read them as much. But I've been reading Marvel comics for over 20 years, 25 years straight, you I, know? I mean, I kind of gave up on Marvel comics in, like, high school so the movies at this point fill that void for me of like, oh, I can see like two to three of these movies a year. I think I'm moving towards that. That's two two hours in a, at a time. Like even if it's a little longer, I don't really give a well, shit. Especially though as the movies are moving into this new phase where they're not introducing the characters as much. So I don't have to sit through – like I started watching Doctor Strange and I just couldn't sit through it because I was like – maybe I'll skip an hour yeah, into the movie. And so, I was like – watching the movie and you're like – this movie has the best cast of any of these movies. I am dead inside and don't want to watch this movie anymore because Mads Mikkelsen and Scott Adkins well, are no, in scenes together. It was like it was like I don't need to see another character discover that there's a larger world of That's mystery fair. and and fantasy outside of his little life. It I thought like, that movie did it pretty did it fast enough that I didn't I wasn't too bothered by it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it another shot. It's it, this is entirely that, like Doctor Strange ain't my favorite movie or nothing, but I thought it was pretty. This is entirely a fault with. Not with the movie, just in my. This is just me accepting the movie at this point in my life. But I like that when I go see Gardens of the Galaxy 2, I'm not going to have to deal with a lot of like, 
Who's this guy? Time for me to show you my power. What? Aliens exist? Any of that Why stuff. Why is Beast hanging upside down in this scene? <laughs> Kelsey Grammer's all furry now? <laughs> so, Stuart, what movie are you going to recommend? Uh, GOTG2? I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, a buddy of mine, Will, uh, recommended. It's a... Will Arnett. So this is this is a movie that I I I gotta do a little bit of a qualification at the beginning because there's a movie called Hounds of Love. It's in theaters right now and it's on demand. Based on the Kate Bush album. Um and it's a uh I don't know, I think I may just be going through a weird phase lately where a lot of the media I take in uh features a lot of violence against women and a lot of sexual violence. Or maybe it's just Wait. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Like you're going through a weird thing right now where that's what No, I'm just saying like maybe I just hit a patch where like I'm watching The Handmaid and then watching fucking Room the it's, other day. It's very much like, a it's very much a thread that's running through a lot of movies and TV shows is, now. I mean, on one hand like like I understand like it's a fucking I, I don't I don't want to put myself in a weird position or anything but like um I mean, it's just the sort of thing where it's like if every piece of media I take in features like vi- like that kind of violence and like sexual violence as a common thread it's it's soul crushing reasonably so mm-hmm. but um I do want to recommend this movie Hounds of Love it's a uh it's an Australian thriller fairly uh it's a debut me- movie from a director I believe the director is a guy named Ben Young um and it's loosely based on a couple in Australia in the eighties who were abducting women, uh, young women, abusing them and then killing them. And the movie deals with, uh, I feel like despite the fact that it's, uh, I believe it's a male director. Um, it's, it, it focuses on the women involved in this process, whether it's a woman who's abducted her recently divorced mother or specifically the woman that is in this relationship with a partner who are going through the, the, like the, the process of abducting and killing women. Uh, it focuses on these women and their abusive relationships. And it's, uh, it's not an easy watch in any way. Uh, but if you are willing to put yourself, uh, kind of through a difficult experience, I think it's worthwhile. Like it's beautifully shot, a lot of the more uh, a lot it, a lot of the more violent parts and a lot of the more uh, difficult to watch stuff is off screen. You don't actually see it, um, and the performance from I don't remember her name. Like, uh, the, but the woman who plays the, uh, the 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 partner in the the serial killer relationship gives such like an amazing performance. That uh, we've already, we already mentioned Henry Porter, the serial killer, but I feel like it's Michael Rooker level, like chilling and I don't want to say sympathetic because that's not how it is, but uh, it's like humanizing and it's a great performance. So Hounds of Love, uh, if you're looking for something that's going to be a little difficult to watch, check it out. I'm going to rec- recommend a movie that is not difficult to watch and it's called A Dog's Purpose. Oh, really? No, not. kind of a difficult thing to watch. Actually, it was pretty boring. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I watched uh, recently and that I liked, and that's uh, a movie called 20th Century Women, by Mike, directed and written by Mike Mills, who also did the movie Beginners, which I liked. 
And uh, Beginners was very much Mike Mills making a movie about his dad, I guess. This is more a movie about his mom and stars Annette Bening and Al Fanning and Greta Gerwig and Billy Crudup and some kid. And it is about a guy growing up as a teen in the late 70s with an older mom who is single who runs this crazy house that has a bunch of people staying there who are all kind of dealing with their things. And uh, it's a movie that at times is a little twee, but I really liked the relationships between the characters. twee mean, Elliot? Uh, Precious, you know, a little too precious at times. Uh, But everything looks amazing in it. It's a fantastically shot movie, and it's got that California light that is very seems very specific to the area it's set in, uh, which I'm looking forward to enjoying now that I'm going to be living in California. And at the Quit same bragging, and also uh, has a lot of fun. He's just overcompensating about leaving yeah. his beloved New York. I am. It's unha- it's um, it's upsetting to me. And has a lot of great eat fucking shitty bagels with avocados on them. <laughs> it has a lot of great uh, late '70s kind of punk and art rock and affiliated rock songs on the soundtrack. And I really liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. 20th Century Women. It's about a young boy and the women in his life. All right. Hey, we talked about a, a thing. Yeah, we definitely talked about a thing and taped it. So I guess mission accomplished? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we did yeah. what we set out to do. Mm-hmm. I apologize uh, that yeah, I recommended so. 20th Century Women. We're really going out with a wimp or not a bang, it seems. It really took, the, I, really took the air out of the room by recommending a movie I liked so a guys, lot. I got this Mission Accomplished banner. Let me, should I just hang it on the wall? Sure. Or? Okay. Put on a helmet. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> if I want to look like a tough boy. <laughs> <laughs> tough boy. <laughs> you totally look like it, a tough it boy. Sounds like a really low rent horn mag. <laughs> tough boys <laughs> or just tough boy. Yeah. Um, it's all nude guys with one helmet on. They just share the helmet. I talked about that book uh, my ex-girlfriend's sister took from the Vanish- vanity publisher called Pig Boys, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah, she worked for this vanity publisher, and that. this priest uh, published this <laughs> a couple of copies of this book of photos of boys just like dude, like young dudes just like playing around in the mud and shit. <laughs> okay. And it's called pig boys. <laughs> and the idea was that like, there's a definition up front where it's just like pig boys are, are boys that just like having fun and like getting a little bit dirty. Uh, but the, apparently the guy didn't realize, well, <laughs> when pressed, didn't believe that it was sexual in nature, but it was super weird. The guy who made the book who made the book. My my girlfriend's or my ex girlfriend's sister kept a copy of the book because it was insane. <laughs> it was insane thing. Like it feels like the sort of thing where like uh, Ice T would show up and be like, would use it as evidence in a few in in, in a, a Law and Order in a SVU. I mean, I guess on that note, we should <laughs> sign off. Uh, for the flop outs, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Keep listening. Don't unsubscribe. <laughs> and I'm kind of curious about the pig boy lifestyle right now. I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Do you need me to tell you the, full, the actual title? No, no, I got it. So was it a dog's purpose, or it was not the dog's purpose, right? A dog. A dog's purse. Purses. Purses. <laughs> a dog's Perseus. <laughs> what if all the Greek mythological characters were dogs? Whoa. I think it would go a little something like this. Ruff, I'm Zeus. Ruff, ruff. <laughs>
It's me. I will come unto you like a shower of gold. <laughs> it's me, Barkacles. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the I'm the god of the sea, Poseidog. <laughs> I love great. to dog paddle after balls that are floating in the water and bring them back. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, it's me, god of the underworld. Hey, dogs. <laughs> yep. It's me, Aphrodite. <laughs> Here's Cerberus, my three-headed human that guards the gates of my realm. What? (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.